to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're on a series on Joshua and... I don't think I can finish uh, this Sunday, so there'll be a two weeks break. Next two weeks, Andre is speaking, I'll be away, and then I'll be back uh, to complete uh, the series on Joshua on the last Sunday of April. Amen. Uh, can you imagine that one third of the year, uh, uh, one quarter of the year has passed us by? Seems like yesterday that we, that we celebrated the new year. Well, but I believe that this year has been a wonderful year uh, for many of us. Uh, it's, a, it's a year of possessing, it's a year of just taking uh, the promises of God uh, by faith. Amen. So, praise God. And we're on this series on Joshua because the Lord spoke to me and said that for us uh, to move from strength to strength, we need to expand our base of leadership. So that's one reason I want to challenge all of us to step up to become Joshua's. But also the second reason is I want to lay foundations for the kind of leaders that we want to raise up in this church. And so the, the last few Sundays, uh, we learned some lessons from Joshua's life. First of all, we learned that Joshua uh, was a servant and an assistant to Moses. And that's where leadership begins, when we learn uh, to serve. And we also learned that the first thing that Joshua got to overcome was his carnality, was to fight carnality. And uh, first and foremost, leaders in this church are spiritual leaders. Say spiritual. spiritual. We can use the wisdom that we have accumulated uh, in our career, in our life, in leadership, but in the church, first and foremost, we want to see spiritual leaders, people who are spiritually minded. Amen? Spiritual leaders. And Joshua was a spiritual leader. He has to overcome carnality in his own life and in the lives of the nation. The second point we learn is that Joshua had a hunger for the Lord. Say it's hunger. hunger. All right? And we must be passionate for the presence of God. That's what sets us apart from the rest of the world as believers. We have the presence, not just the... Uh, omnipresence, but we have the tangible, concentrated glory of God in our lives. Amen? So we want the presence. We must be hungry for the presence. We don't just want to come in and go out. We want to stay in the presence of the Lord. Amen? The third point we learn is that Joshua uh, was one of the two people who gave a good uh, report. Amen? He gave a good report. He had a different spirit. When, when, when the rest of the, of the spies saw giants, Joshua and Caleb saw God. It's easy for us to see giants and to see obstacles when, when we go through battles. But it takes a different spirit to see God in the trials in your life. Amen? So Joshua had a different spirit. He saw God in the battle. The, the, the fourth point is that Joshua was a man of faith. And we learned that uh, faith is seeing the unseen. And we spoke about different things like what, how I saw Jason's salvation, how I saw uh, God adding to our youth ministry. And the place was full uh, even when we had only just one boy. And how I saw uh, the church in Myanmar birth years ago and the impact that we, we, we will have. How I saw that God would double our young adults if only we would just believe. And so... Faith is basically seeing in the unseen. And the, 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 and the fifth point is that Joshua had his name changed from Hosea to Joshua. 
and we talked about that a little bit, and we prayed, and we asked God for our name. And so I received one, two texts. One of you wrote to me and said, I just sense my name is Gideon. And one, two of us yes. wrote to me and said, I just sense... <laughs> Woo! It's a great name. As long as you are not treading... Uh, what? Uh, you are not threshing wheat in the wine press. Amen. Gideon, you are supposed to be fighting some enemies and not hiding. Amen. Come on. So we spoke about the importance of names and so that's where we are. So this morning, I believe I can't go beyond just uh, beyond one point. So I've got only one point this morning and we want to pray and that's our point six. So let's read De- uh, De- Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 38. And the, and the Bible says here, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Now, what does it mean? All right, let's give, let's talk about the context of this verse. So here Moses was handing over leadership. And he was speaking to the entire congregation of Israel. And he said, Joshua is my successor. He is before you. He shall enter the promised land. And he said to the entire church in the, New Te- in the Old Testament, he says, encourage Joshua for Joshua shall cause Israel to inherit the promises of God. We are saying uh, in the church, and that is Moses brought Israel out, but Joshua brought them in. And so we need two generations to inherit the promises of God. I want you to understand that in this church, we believe in the generations. Amen. In this church, we believe that God has got a special, unique plan for children, for teenagers, for young adults, for adults. It has been our dream to build a generational church. So when we first started out, all teenagers and then some young adults, and one, two of you came and you, and, and you stuck out like a sore thumb. You were a little bit different in your age group. Amen. But over time, God has been faithful and He added numbers to us. He added wisdom into our midst. He brought older people because God's will for the city has always been generational. Amen. Always been generational. So Moses instructed the children of Israel to encourage Joshua. It's necessary for us to understand, friends, that the younger leaders in the church need our help our encouragement as they take their first step in leadership. When God starts raising up younger leaders, they might not be as experienced, they might not be as, as, uh, as powerful in stature, but regardless of where they are at in their leadership journey, when someone steps up, the Bible says those who aspire to be leaders aspire a good thing. Amen. So it's not prideful for you to aspire to be a leader. I still remember when I was uh, 15 years old, brand new believer, and uh, I came across this term shepherding because a few of my leaders were my shepherds and they were taking care of me. And so I said, God, I want to be a shepherd. And then people come around me and say, Daniel, you're just too proud. You're too... But I learned over time that to, to aspire to be a leader is to aspire for a good thing. And so don't have this wrong idea that, Oh, I want to be a leader means that you are being prideful. I just be a servant. Yes, that's where it starts. Amen. But to aspire for leadership, not just in the church, but in your workplace and in the world, is to aspire for a good thing. The world rises and falls on leadership. Amen. Singapore needs stronger leaders. Singapore needs godly leaders. The church needs uh, young leaders to rise and to emerge. Amen. All right, so... 
Moses instructed the congregation to encourage Joshua. The congregation is supposed to encourage younger leaders, not discourage them by criticizing them. I remember a friend of mine who was part of our church, uh, part of the founding team for a couple of years, who has gone back to Cornerstone. Uh, God gave him a platform today to be a worship leader, and he led thousands in worship. But he uh, told me in his younger days when he started leading worship, that's the first thing God spoke to him. God said, Andrew, you will lead nations in worship. And so when he picked up the guitar, when he started singing in a a prayer meeting where only 200 people were present, a few of his older leaders came up to him and said, Andrew, you sounded like a frog. And then one, two of them said, you know, that's Lucifer's ministry. And he was so discouraged. His first time leading worship and uh, people came around and said that you are terrible, you are lousy, you sing like a frog, you must be careful of pride, blah, 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 blah. Now, that must not be the atmosphere that we, we create here. Whoever steps up in, in the front now, we will correct them in private, but let's celebrate them in public. I mean, let's, let's encourage them and let's uh, tell them, hey, that's a great try. I can't do that when I'm 25. When I, when I was 20, 25, and then you help them along. But young leaders need our encouragement. Amen. So when people step up into leadership, don't compare, don't criticize. The church is moving on, and each generation has a fresh task, which is not supposed to be du- a duplicate of the past. You have to understand that Moses and Joshua was totally different. They were different and they had different assignments. Moses was the one who brought Israel out of Egypt, but it was going to be Joshua to bring Israel into their inheritance. We're not supposed to compare the two leaders. See, friends, without Moses, there would have been no Joshua. Amen? Without Moses, and we need the Moseses. We need the people who will pay the price to pave the way for the next generation to rise up. And here's the point I'm trying to make this morning, and that is God is raising up new leaders in this church. God is raising up a new generation in Singapore. God is going to raise up new senior leaders for the church in this nation. New doesn't mean young. New means new. Some of them might be 40, 50 years old, older in age, but they are new. Amen. And so God is raising up a new team and we we must always be grateful for what the former generation has done. But the reality is they were the ones who brought us to where we are today. But for us to move forward, we need to make room for new leaders to rise up. Amen. Come on, we need to make room for new leaders to rise up. So as great as Moses was, Joshua had a different ministry. And he had to listen to God for his own assignment. See, friends, Moses had his burning bush experience. Joshua didn't. And so he was always comparing and said, did you have a burning bush experience? And Joshua would say, no. And he said, oh, then you you disqualify yourself. No, but Joshua should say, but I met the commander of the Lord of hosts, did you? See, they had different encounters with God. It is your encounter that will define you. So Moses had his burning bush and he saw the Lord uh, in the burning bush, but Joshua saw the Lord as the commander-in-chief. Different leaders, different encounters, same assignment. That is to lead God's people forward into their God-given purpose and destiny. Amen. 
We need to have our own re- revelation. might be different. So my revelation might be different from my pastor. Totally different. I honor and respect all that he has done in my life and for me as a younger person, but we may have different revelations. And the older generation should not look at the young and say, because you have a different revelation that, uh, that, that you are not aligned to God. No, it's not. Jason and I had different re- revelation. I believe Andre and I different re- revelation. Christine and maybe Tim and maybe Tim might have different understanding of what worship is. But that's what makes the body of Christ beautiful. We have got different revelations. We are walking in our own God-given revelation. But we have to understand that the church of God is moving from glory to glory. Strength to strength. Amen. If it's not for my pastor, I still remember my Moses, all right? And I believe he, he's still a Joshua and he's, he's taking uh, the kingdom of God by force. But, so I'm not comparing age. It's just a reference. But I still rem- remember my, my, my Moses just helping me uh, in my early ministry. And uh, the first time he sent me to preach was to a boys' brigade camp. All the boys' brigade here, make some noise. Come on, all the BB boys, woo! I, I wasn't a baby boy, all right? But I was sent to speak in a Johor, what, what do you call it, company. And uh, because he was invited, but he has, but they have to stay in tent. And by then he was in his mid-30s. He was beyond his age, you know, to experience an adventure like that. So he says, Daniel, I think it's time for you to go on some exposure. And so he sent me to speak in, in a boys' brigade camp in the middle of nowhere in, in a forest in Johor. And I, 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 I had to live in tent, put sulfur around my tent because they said there might be snakes at night. And then we have to bash through a jungle because as the speaker, you have got to build bonds with the people. So I bashed through the jungle and I came out from jungle, there were a few leeches. I've never experienced that in my life. I wasn't a commando like Mingwei. I, I'm a scholarly person. <laughs> Who plays table tennis? I'm a thinker, right? So... So I came out and I said, Leech, what should I do? Can I pluck it out? They said, no, don't do that. And so I said, do what then? Put some salt. I said, oh, I learned a few things new. But that was my first preaching assignment. And then subsequently, he sent me to speak in small youth groups, like 15 people. 15 people. And I prepare like crazy. I fast and pray. I pray in tongues for hours. And I go there and I preach my heart out. There was no complaint. There was... I just love it that people gave me a platform to experience ministry. That was what, what my Moses did for me and I'm forever grateful. And I believe as much as I'm a Joshua now, I'm also a Moses. And there are people in our midst who are Joshua's that I should give a platform, that I should encourage and that I should empower for them to experience ministry, to walk into their calling. Amen. The Moses must encourage the Joshua's and the church must make room for the Joshua's to evolve and to emerge. Amen? Come on, just help me preach. Amen? You see, in every generation, God has been faithful. God has been faithful to bring revival to the church, to the world, and spiritual awakening to nations. And in, in almost all cases, say all, In almost all cases, those movements of the Holy Spirit were the most evident among young people. And in almost all instances, new moves of the Spirit was actually led by young people. It's amazing. 
Young people who were bold and courageous, young people who were different in their thinking, who was out of the box and who had dreamed great dreams for the Lord, they stepped out in faith, had nothing to lose, and they started new movements of the Holy Spirit. See, most modern-day surveys indicate, and that's why I was a youth pastor, and, and I thought to myself, I'll be a youth pastor for the rest of my life. Surveys show that more than 85% of people who come to faith did so before they turned 25. And so I said to myself, and I said to pastors who were consulting me and said, Daniel, must I put in so much effort and so much money and resource into youth ministry? I said, you have to. And so they, they said, why? And, and, and I said, 85% of the world of people who receive Jesus do so before they turn 25. And, and, and if I'm a good investor, I would put 85% of my resource to reach these young people. And do you know what? Young people wouldn't stay young. Like you and I, young people grow up and they grow old and they start having uh, jobs and, and they have good incomes. But when, you underst- when they understand that the church has invested into two of their lives, guess what? They will invest back into the kingdom. Come on. Come on. And so we must focus on the young. We must encourage the young. We must make a room for young people in this church. I mean, we must be a generational church. And I want to speak to the teenagers, I want to speak to the young adults this morning that you are to rise up to be a Joshua and the rest of, of, of the church will say, come on guys, we're cheering you on. Dream great, great dreams, start new things, go into your classrooms, reach the world. It blessed my heart for my son to come to me and say, Dad, I want to go to school earlier. So I said, why? I, th- I thought he feels sorry for me. I have to drive him to school on, uh, in the morning and that he will go to, go to school on his own. But he said to me, Dad, I, I want to go to school to befriend uh, the sick ones. I want to win them to the Lord. I say, come on. Come on. I led my first person to the Lord at 16. He, he's 14 years old. And I pray that, and he led his first person to the Lord at 13 years old. See, friends, <laughs> the, God is just going younger, using younger people. They might be different, and he sometimes gets on my nerves still. But it doesn't make him any different from the rest of us that he can be a world changer. He can be a history maker. Come on. That he can do great things for the Lord. Even greater things than his dad has done. You know, I, he, he, he came home and I'm saying this not because it's just my son, but I'm saying this as a reference to every one of you who are, who are young. That, that my job is to make room, that the leader's job here is to make room for you to flourish in life. It's for you to write better songs than Christine, lead better worship than Andre and Christine. Come on. That you are to pray more powerfully than Jason, that you are uh, to even preach at a younger age than, than, than Andre. At 20 years old, you, you take the world by storm, yet with humility, with your preaching. Come on. Friends, we see this in the secular. We see billionaires who are now in their early 20s. Why not spiritual billionaires in our early 20s? One preacher described young people as kindling which helps set fire to all logs. Referring to those of us who are a bit older. The young people are the kindling, the spark that sets us on fire. See, when I was growing up, my leaders never understood my passion. 
But the irony was they were as passionate as I was when they were younger. <laughs> but that's where the irony is. That when, I was, that when they were in their 20s, they dreamt of taking the world and changing lives and, and, and starting new ministries. But as we grow older, we, we become a lot more subdued and muted. And we start saying, come on, cool down, guys, chill. But history records the role of young people in revivals. It's amazing. As we're going through this list, my heart was just like, God, may you raise up younger leaders in this church who will, who will take the world by storm. Who will do even greater things that I've done. Amen. The Old Testament, we've got Joshua and the generation under 20 years old. And I love this verse, the next verse, which is not on the screen, in verse 39. After the Lord spoke to, uh, the, after Moses said to the congregation, He said, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. And to them, I will give it and they shall possess it. Come on, man. You little ones and your children. And this is God saying, you little ones, the children and the teenagers, they shall inherit the promises. Wow. What, what about David, who was 17 years old when he killed Goliath? And who was promised kingship at 17 years old? First Samuel chapter 17, verse 33 says, You are not able to fight with him, for you are but a youth. This was Saul's testimony of David. You are just a youth. How can you fight Goliath? Josiah was eight years old when he became king. At 16 years, we led a national reformation. 16! Jeremiah was a young prophet. And the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, that Jeremiah said, I can't speak. I'm but a youth. And the Lord says, don't say you can't speak. I'll put words in your mouth. He was probably in his teens when God set him apart to be a prophet to the nations. He was a teenager. And what about in the New Testament? We've got John the Baptist. And how old was he when he spent his whole uh, time in the desert? How old was he? Before he turned 30, he spent his 20s eating locusts, drinking honey, wearing hard clothing, preparing the way of the Lord. He was in his teens and 20s. This was John the Baptist. He wasn't some old man as depicted by some artist. He was a young person who grew beard, like some of you. I mean, and, 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 and spending his time preparing the way of the Lord as a 20-something. What about Jesus? The disciples that He called, how old were they? John was probably only 15. Peter James was probably in the early 20s. When Jesus walked the shores of Galilee and pointed at some fishermen, they, they were strong with bulging muscles like Hugh Jackman. I mean, fishing. And with like, well, shining in the sun because of the sweat. And Jesus said, stop fishing for fish. Today you will fish for men. They were in their 20s at the prime of their youth when they forsook all and followed Jesus. And guess what? These men became revivalists that set the early church on fire and grew the gospel beyond Jerusalem. These were teenagers and 20-somethings and 30-somethings, guys. 
That was the original Jesus movement. He chose young people. Why? Because they were starry eyes. They were dreamers. And nothing is impossible for those who are young. A lot, uh, most of us who are married, we, a lot, we, we have more to lose. But for those who are young, they've got nothing to lose. They've got nothing. <laughs> and they forsook all and they followed Christ. It reminds me of my 20-somethings. I mean, I'm 40 years old this year. Still at the prime of my, my life, I believe. But I look back in my life and I spent my 20s, you have heard me say this, I spent my 20s reaching teenagers. My 20s, literally my 20s. I've, before I got married, when I got married, when Titus was born, when Melody was born, my whole life was given to reach the teens. And then the day came, I said to my pastor, you, you have entrusted me with 39. Here you go, 400 teenagers with tears in my eyes. And, and of course, you've heard you know, all that we've gone through as the church plan and all that. And I was just looking back in my life and I said, God, is it worth it? And in my heart, I just said to God, God, every second of those years were worth it. As I look back now and what God has done, you know, some of them, you know, are doing amazing things. They are multiplying the youth group like crazy. And they, they, one, one, one of them is leading a leading church in Miri who was struggling for years with same-sex attraction. How God sets her free and now she's leading a thriving church in Miri. It's the church to be a part of if you're, if you're young and hip. Come on. It's amazing. One of the most amazing preachers I know. A girl grew up in my youth ministry. Andre, Jason, for every person that I could look at, I said, God, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. And that's what Jesus did. He took the nameless, the faceless, he took the disqualified and, and said, today I qualify you. Your parents may forsake you. Your parents may not have a good, uh, may, may not have uh, much to say about your life, but I believe in you. And those four words, man, transform the world. And Jesus did that. And it's the same in, in history. What about in the, night, in the 1500s, the Great Reformation, when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses? I mean, Martin Luther in those days was in his probably early 30s and he and and he partnered with a 21 year old scholar by the name of Philip Melanchthon who was a scholar and they lectured to they lectured to hundreds of students during the years of the reformation 21 and his contemporary in Switzerland John Calvin was converted at 25 years old and within one year he completed the first draft of the now famous book which a lot of the reformed theologians have studied and this guy wrote at 26 years old 26 years old he wrote uh, the institutes of the Christian religion the book that's been called the single most influential book on theology in church history was written by a 26 years old what about watchman knee was in his 20s when he came to know Christ, was jailed for, for being mad, all right? He's preaching the gospel and he wrote the spiritual man in his 20s on his knees. And even 60 years old, can't understand that book. It was so deep. It was written by someone in, in, in his 20s. 
John Sok brought revival to this part of the world in his 20s and 30s. What about the Great Awakening? 1700s, George Whitfield began preaching at 21 and was one of the greatest preachers of the 1700s, the 18th century. He often spoke to crowds in excess of 30,000 people without microphone in those days. George Whitfield saw tens of thousands swept into the kingdom, the Great Awakening. And Wesley, his counterparts, who founded the Methodist Church. He was 17 years old when he moved to Oxford to pursue God's call. He was 22 when he, be- when he was ordained as a deacon. At 25, he became a priest. At 26, he joined the Holy Club. At 30 years old, he founded the Methodist Church. I'm 40 years old. Those of you who, who were from the Methodist Church, your founder was a 30 years old man. He wasn't disqualified, of course. The Anglicans in those days said, Wesley, you are just beside yourself. You are crazy. What methods and confession of sins? But Wesley was convicted of uh, truth and he just basically stepped out and he says, England needs to be saved. On horseback, young preachers were trained and released. Some of them, 19 years old, on their horseback, going the, the length and breadth of England and preaching the gospel and preaching revival and sets hearts on fires. These were young preachers in their, night, in their teens and 20-somethings. <laughs> wow. He was only 36 years old when the Great Awakening happened in the US and in the UK. In the 1800s, we've got men like D.L. Moody. At 23 years old, he started a Sunday school for youth in a vacant heaven which grew to over 1,500 people, became a church. And even Lincoln visited that, Abraham Lincoln. He organized groups to minister to troops during the Civil War. And at 26 years old, he became a missionary with YMCA. At 28 years old, he became YMCA president in Chicago. At 35, he led a revival in, in England. 35 years old. C.T. Studd was a convert under Moody's ministry. And Studd was the captain of the champion cricket team. <laughs> and Studd was one of the helpers that helped Moody in his campaign. And someone called this group of seven, they, they, they were called the, the Cambridge Seven, and someone called them Holy Madmen, I love this, launched out to redeem another generation of spiritual warriors. So, wow. Let me rephrase that. Let me say that again, not, not to rephrase it. So, it's so good. <laughs> they were referred to as Holy Madmen. What if God called our legacy ministry holy madmen? You, you guys are holy madmen. <laughs> Launched out to redeem another generation of spiritual warriors. That was the imagination of the young. These words were probably coined by people who were young because that's how we think when we were younger. Holy madmen, crazy for the Lord, spiritual warriors. I, I remember the first cell group I started for the teenage group was a bunch of girls from Katong Convent. Oh, you were from KC, great. And these were like girls, 13 years old, 14 years old. And we were dreaming for a name. Dreaming for a name. And the first name that I came up with, I was 24 in those days. And I prayed and the name God gave to me was Fools for Christ. 
Some of you remember that. Fools! And so we call ourselves, we are fools! Any, 20, any 25 would name, no, people in their 20s would call a cell group fools. Come on, we are fools because we are, we are unashamed. Come on. And then it became a bit too radical for some and so we changed our name to Warriors. Sounds like a name that a 25 years old would, would name a cell group. Now this is a bit too sophisticated. Legacy. You know, uh, come on, but where is that? Fools, warriors, transformers. That's old school. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. In the 20th century, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you know how old was the leader of the Welsh revival, Evan Roberts? He was 26 when he said to his college principal, I keep hearing a voice that tells me I must go home to speak to our young people in my home church. So he began uh, a revival which swept 100,000 people into the kingdom in Wales in five months. I read the story of Evan Roberts. So he was so moved and he went up to his pastor in this small little church about 70 people came for prayer that night. He went up to the pastor and said, Pastor, there were four things I must say to this church. And the pastor, who was a little bit older, said, I love your fire. You can keep some people back if they want to stay back after our prayer meeting and you can share. And a small handful stayed back and he said four things the Lord said. I can't remember the four, the four things now. But those four things sparked the Welsh revival which impacted Azusa Street, which impacted Presbyterian revival in Korea where Pyongyang was set ablaze by the Holy Spirit. Amen. At 26 years old. And his team, a, a guy named Seth was 19 years old. And this was the revival team that took the world for the glory of God. Can God do it again? I believe He can. He made a vow to serve the Lord at 15 years old. At 22, he formed a prayer gathering to train young men. Can we give space for our young people to just dream the impossible? Amen. What about Amy Sample McPherson, one of the most amazing woman evangelists ever to walk the face of the earth? She was called and ordained to preach the gospel at a very young age. At 18 years old, 18 years old, she planted a church in Canada. At 20 years old, she preached to 15,000 in China. At 27, moved back to LA, wrote a book. <laughs> At 33, started Angelus Temple, still right there, built it debt-free and a Bible school, trained up people. I was in the Heritage Center and I saw the graduation gown and tens of thousands were being released through four square missions across the world and their founder was a 33 years old girl. At 34 years old, she became the first woman preacher on radio. Billy Graham, in 1949, was one of the first speakers for a new movement among young people called Youth for Christ. And do you know how old was he when he started Billy Graham Evangelistic Association? He was only 32. And millions have been swept into the kingdom by this young preacher. What's my point? See, God has a plan for young people. 
And all those who are older in age here, I pray that we will, all, we will always celebrate the potential of the young in this church. No matter how different they are, no matter how radical they are. Amen. And those of you who are young, I want to say to you, the same way God used Joshua, the same way God used David, Josiah, and the, uh, and, and the prophets who were really young, the same way God chose nameless, faceless fishermen, John, who was only 15 when he lied at the bosom of Jesus, pursued intimacy with Christ, had a revelation of John 3.16. These were all young people. And I want to pray today that this church would, have a, would, would see a generation of Joshua's rise up. Amen. I've got two more points which I wouldn't go into it. I'm here to inspire this church. I want to lay a foundation that in this church, we will see generational leadership. Amen. The Moses would share the wisdom with the young. My job, I said to Joy, is to make sure that the hearts of our young leaders are properly shepherded. But I want to make room for their gifts. Can we all stand? You may say, Daniel, where's the word? That's the word of the Lord. <laughs> Let no one despise your youth. Can you turn to the person next to you who's young and say, let no one despise your youth. If you're young in heart, you can still receive that. Let no one despise your youth. And that verse was written by an agent apostle, Paul, just a few years before he was martyred for his faith. By then, he had raised up young Timothy and Timothy had trained up faithful men. And Timothy then was placed over the church of Ephesus, which, which was a thriving church, large, probably in the tens of thousands. And Timothy probably was a little bit intimidated. In those days, there was no text message, no WhatsApp, there was no Facebook. And so, Timothy had, so Paul had got to write a letter to young Timothy, a young bishop over a thriving church who was a little bit intimidated. And Paul wrote these words. Paul said, let no one despise your youth. As a young leader at 24, you know, that, that verse, you know, was like a simple, popular verse. It was my life verse. I kept it at my heart and I said, God, I may be young, but I will not let people despise my youth. <laughs> I will not. I'll be respectful. I'll be honoring. But Lord, the same way you anointed my pastors, you anointed my leaders, you have anointed me. I used to say to the Lord, God, there is no junior Holy Spirit. The same way you anointed these men in their 50s to preach, you anoint me to communicate the word. And I said to the Lord, God, I can be young at 24, but I can glean the wisdom of a 54 years old if I'll just allow those who are older, my Moses, to speak into my life. But see, friends, I did not allow my age to become a barrier for me to serve God. And I thank God as I look back today of the fruit that we have. And to God be all the glory. 
let no one despise your youth. And today, I just believe we want to we want to activate we, and we want to mobilize the youth and young adults. And those of us who are in in our thirties, friends, I believe God has blessed us in Singapore. But it's time for us to step out of our comfort zone. It's time for us to dream a bigger dream. It's time for us to imagine what a kingdom would be like if all of us just give our all, if all of us just stretch our thinking a little bit and say, God, you can do exceedingly abundantly, far above all can we ever ask or imagine. Lord, I'll just give myself to you as a, as a tool in your hand. Lord, just write history with my life. Will you say that? Will you say that? I want to be a pen in your hand, Lord. Write your story. Joshua, it's time to arise. Thank you, Lord. Joshua, it's time to arise. You know, I believe even now, some of you are feeling a stirring in your heart, a strong stirring in your heart. A strong stirring. You might be young and you're saying, Daniel, you're speaking right into my spirit. You're speaking right into my soul. I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm a teenager, but I'm feeling a stirring. God, I want to be used by you. I may be in my 20s. I'm feeling a stirring. God, I want to be used by you. <laughs> I'm, I may be in my 30s. God, I want to be used. I can tell you story after story. Carrie was in his 20s when he felt a stirring for missions to India, went to the missions board of his church and they said, William, if God wants to save the heathens, He can save the heathens. He, does, he, he doesn't need you. And he took his family up, rooted themselves and they moved to India. And William Carey gave the Indian people their first dictionaries, named the Indian flowers. <laughs> gave them a translation of the Bible. He was only in his 30s. And some of you who are women here, Jackie Pullinger was engaged for marriage. He was in her twen- she was in, in her 20s when she felt a stirring of the Lord to go to Hong Kong to reach people who were lost in a walled city in Hong Kong. Spoke to the fiancé and said, will you come along? God's call in my life was just so strong. And he said, that's your call, not mine. She broke up that marriage. Why? Because the call of God is stronger than the romance that she has. In those days, there was no plane, so she took a ship and went. And then, even the police didn't dare to enter into the walled city of Hong Kong. She was there. And she led dozens, if not hundreds, of addicts, men and women, and was conferred an honorable title by the local police. And through her ministry, the walled city came down and today is a safe place to go. She was in her 20s. And I pray that God will just put a vision in all of our hearts and you can be young, but all of us can be young in hearts. Amen. That youthful zeal that God has, I pray that you'll be rekindled. I'm speaking to some of you in your 30s, in your 40s. And you were in that, in that place when you were younger. That's the reason why you stepped into your career. That's the reason why you are teaching. That's the reason why you took up that job. But because 
you know, of what life has torn at you, you are, you are losing the vision. I pray this morning that the Lord would open your eyes again and He will rekindle a fire in your hearts. That's Joshua. That's Joshua. So that's you this morning. I don't know who I'm speaking to. But I can sense the passion and the burden of the Lord this morning. I can sense His heart reaching out to all of us and and He's saying, Daniel, if if you want to see this church move from one level of strength to another, the hearts of the people must must be gripped with a holy passion for my mission. So if that's you this morning, as Christine sings, don't look around. Don't wait for the, your neighbor to respond. If that's you this morning, I pray that you will just leave a seat and just walk to the front. And if there's no space in the front, just fill the aisle. Together we will pray. Together we will say, God, we're asking you. We're asking you for a fresh baptism of holy passion this morning. We're asking you to capture our imagination with what you can do through our youthful zeal. Amen. So as Christine sings, Whether you are young or you are old, may the Lord just renew your vision.